How is God in space? In Western culture, so here in Europe where I live, or in North America or other places influenced by Europe, there's an idea system known as naturalism, and it has pretty much infiltrated our whole culture here. It has been very hard to find a sort of space for God, and so there are some that perhaps think of God more like Santa Claus, a kind of localizable power who has some influence over some parts of our world. And in reaction to that as a kind of, I don't know, not a very biblical picture of God and not a very impressive picture of anything that we should be concerned about, uh, they've talked about God being in our hearts um, or being the ground of our being. God being localizable or at least findable within our interior spirits in some way. And today we're going to try to answer the question of how God is in space by asking another question. Where are you? Hey everybody, welcome to the Sanctus Forum. I am Michael Stewart Robb, better known as Mike. And hey, welcome to the conspiracy commentaries. Currently, 2023, there are really only two series going on the Sanctus Forum. In past years, I've been able to do more, but just trying to keep it simple this year, just put out solid things just week by week and not stress myself out too much. So conspiracy commentary today means we talk about Dallas Willard's The Divine Conspiracy. This book, get it, read it, one section at a time. So we're in chapter three and we're talking today about a section called The Human Spirit, pages 75 and 76 for me. Now, this is, I think, when Dallas Willard starts to get pretty, um, pretty deep um, he's, his philosophy and his theology uh, really are starting to come out. And I think I'm going to do a very first for the conspiracy commentaries. And I'm going to break a section up into two videos. Two videos. Because there's just a bit too much here to talk about in one video. At least one short video. So I'm just gonna kind of read this along with you guys, and uh, that may not make for a very interesting video, but I think that there are just some things that I want to point you all to. Um, first of all, what he's talking about, um, it, in the previous section, he says he wants a deeper understanding of what spirit is. And then he says, the spirit and space most familiar to us, are uh, familiar to each one of us, are contained in our own personality. The necessary path of understanding lies in reflecting on our own makeup. Now, what is the understanding that he has in mind there? Well, referring back to the previous section, what God is as spirit? How do we understand the spirit of God? And what he's going to do is he's going to sort of look, help us look at ourselves and look at how we relate to our world in order to gain some understanding of what it is for God to be spirit. Now, if you have read any in the history of theology, this is a pretty tricky move when you start to sort of compare 
God to human beings and human beings to God. And it's not always to get easy to get the relationship right. And there's a lot of ways to get it wrong. But um, I just want to sort of point out here, this isn't obvious from the text, but what Dallas is going to do is something that he called at one point in his life, existential phenomenology. Now, he didn't make up that term. You can look up books with that term or other people that wanted to write in that area. But as everybody knows, Dallas Willard studied Edmund Husserl, father of phenomenology, at least for, for us, for the 20th century. And, uh, and at the same time, there was something called existentialism happening. Well, Husserl's kind of phenomenology doesn't last terribly long, but it has lots of influences as well on existentialism. Existentialism doesn't last terribly long in a kind of pure form. And what sort of starts to emerge in the 50s, 60s, and 70s is this maybe hybrid known as existential phenomenology. And you're gonna get a sample of it in this section today. So the first section, uh, sentence, I mean, I am a spiritual being who currently has a body. You hear that word? Currently, currently has a body. So there in that you hear Willard's, um, his, his dualism um, in a sense that you are not identical with your body. You are not reducible to your body. Uh, that's a different theory. And one that Dallas spent a lot of his, I don't know, professional career trying to point out the errors of. So he says, I occupy my body. Now, occupying your body is a kind of, um, is an interesting term uh, to occupy something. He says, by my consciousness of it and by my capacity to will and to act with and through it. So it's interesting, consciousness of it, that means sort of you're aware of your body. Um, this is an interesting insight from uh, existential phenomenology. The idea that you know that this is your body and it's very unlikely, um, unless you're very, very sick, to confuse something else with your body. So to think that your lamp, there's a lamp over there, is your body or something, something like that. You know that this is your body, not this one, but that one. You know that that's your body and, uh, and because you're conscious of it, you're constantly conscious of it. And, uh, and then the other thing is, you know, being able to be an, an agent acting through your body, you know that the actions that you're performing with your body are your own. Um, and that's, that's a very important point on about how you relate to something physical, something that, you know, could be eaten and will one day sort of rot uh, in the ground or, I don't know, somewhere else, rot somewhere else. He says here, you cannot find me or any of my thoughts, feelings, or character traits in any part of my body. Now, here are those three things, thoughts, feelings, character traits. Uh, think renovation of the heart. Think of these different parts of the self that Dallas wants to um, talk about in detail. You can't find those in any part of your body. You, yourself, not just like a scientist. Like you can't 
look at a part of your body and say, well, hey, look, there's my, there's my feelings or something like that. That's just not how it works. You know that's not how it works. Um, and, and nobody else can. And that's, that's a large part of what his argument is going to be here, that no scientist has ever sort of opened up a part of your body or got out a really big microscope and looked at your finger um, or even your brain and found you there. Certainly, <laughs> they've never found the most important parts of you, your thoughts, your feelings, your character traits. Now, he's going to talk about communist brains, um, the communist uh, party in, um, in, in Russia was um, cutting up brains. And honestly, this is not all that different from what we do today outside of, outside of communism. We are sort of very fascinated with this idea that uh, you might just be identical with your brain, but um, Oktoberfest is going on here, so the police and the ambulance are uh, just kind of going crazy. Um, so brain is a relatively um, important and interesting piece of flesh, but nothing of intellect creativity or character is to be found in it. Um, you'd be very disappointed uh, if um, I said I was going to spend time with you and what I did was I cut out a chunk of my brain and gave it to you. You would just not know what to do with that because that's not me. That's not where I am. Okay, so here we go. Uh, this is the third paragraph, that very unity of experiences. Notice that he has emphasized that word there, that very unity of experiences that constitutes a human self cannot be located at any point in or around this body through which we live, not even in the brain. So unity of experiences, think of this, um, think of this as, as spirit, as soul, as consciousness, as something that's not, not certainly not material, not physical. It is kind of the you that other people are looking for and the you that is you. It's a unity of experiences. It's a very phenomenological um, way of describing uh, yeah, what you are. So he says that um, you're present as an agent or a causal influence. I think he means the same things by that with and about my body and its features and movement. So it's that's that's interesting. You are um, not only an agent um, with your body, but with respect to its features and to its movements. Um, but then he's going to reverse it. It's not just a matter of this, this unity of experiences, uh, this sort of invisible part of you kind of influencing your body. It also goes in the other direction, and this is a good sign that your body is not just, not just a piece of meat. It has a particular, uh, a, a special, say, spiritual relation to you as a whole, and, um, and it's because what your body undergoes um, actually is going to influence your life, your personhood, your personality, spirit, soul, etc. It's not just a matter of this sort of one-way traffic. It's a two-way, two-way traffic, okay?
And then there's a very interesting footnote at the end of this uh, chapter, uh, paragraph here, um, 13. It refers to uh, Levinas, who is a philosopher in this tradition of existential phenomenology. Um, honestly, I haven't read his book. Uh, I think the book is, let's look it up, Totality and Infinity by Manuel Levinas. Um, this is where Dallas uh, gets some of his inspiration for what he's going to talk about here with, with face. This idea that um, we are principally um, present to other people through our face, which by the way is one of the reasons why I think video is uh, a very important way for me to be with you, not just listening to me. Of course, my inflections of voice are a, a way of communicating myself, but video adds even more that you can actually look at me in my eyes, you can see my hands, you can see what I'm doing, and, and that's an important point of what Dallas is, is talking about here. Um, just, just wonderful things here. Lots of good stuff on the eyes. Um, eyes being the thing in uh, the face which um, uh, really shows a lot of a person. I have a story from a doctor who was uh, working on babies during during uh, COVID. So everybody's wearing a mask, and the the you know parents come in wearing a mask, and she's wearing a mask, and she looks at the baby, and she smiles at the baby. The baby. Um, doesn't see her her teeth her her face and the baby smiles back at her and she says you know what that is the baby's looking at her eyes the baby is looking at her eyes she doesn't see a mouth smiling at her she sees eyes smiling at her she sees a person an invisible person smiling at her uh, very fascinating, very fascinating. Well, face is um, a pretty important concept for, for Dallas Willard. He talks about um, eyes, face, hands um, as uh, areas in space where the spiritual reality of the person becomes present to others. That's that concept we've been dancing around, been calling it spirit, being soul. Um, here, Dallas calls it uh, spiritual reality. In the next sentence, he calls it inmost being. Um, and then he talks about something that um, uh, is kind of an interesting feature of, of growing up, which is we learn the ability to sort of be physically present with other people, but to use our body to hide what's happening inside of us. And we um, cease to be transparent. Uh, there's a time in our life as children when, uh, when we are still transparent and you look at a child and you just see everything that's going on inside of them. Um, but, but with adults, um, we learn to be, we learn to be actors and we learned to, and, and really good actors can disguise so well how they are feeling that you think that they're feeling angry and it's an actor, and they aren't really angry. They just know how to disguise their body so well. Well, all of us become, become actors, and we all learn to manage our face. And though there's still some cracks in that, um, one crack is that uh, adults in moments of great feeling can, can sort of show something of themselves. Which, um, which otherwise they would maybe want to keep hidden. And in St. 
saintliness. I mean, as you develop more saintliness in your life, more of who you are on the inside, your inmost being, your spiritual reality will just shine forth out of you. And because God is there with you, he will shine forth out of you. And you will start to take on a, a glow, which um, you may have to take some measures to um, not blow people away with. Well, I think this video has perhaps gone on a little bit too long. Um, also, there's a podcast, by the way, so if you're listening, um, uh, I, I just can't finish this because now he's going to get to his conclusion, and I really want to spend some time on that. But I will just say, um, if you want a little bit more on face, um, if you have this book, um, The Kingdom Among Us, which, which I wrote, and you look at page... 467 to 477 thereabouts, I start to talk about Jesus's face. Um, I will admit, actually, I wrote that section without realizing that the bit that we just read in The Divine Conspiracy was there. Um, I had picked it up mainly from other things that Dallas had been speaking about and, and writing, and I didn't quite know that that was there, and I, I guess I wish I would have incorporated that into this, sort of talking about Levinas and talking about what face does and um, talking about how we relate to space. But, um, you know, put them together. Uh, the job, uh, the work is left to you. Um, which is the wonderful thing about studying Dallas Willard is there's, uh, it just seems like there's just always more. There's always more that you can discover because he just had his mind and his feelings into all sorts of things. Did I just say feelings? His feelers, I think is what I wanted to say. His feelers. He was just reading a lot. So uh, come on with me and... Uh, Keep watching these videos if you actually like this one. Like it with your finger and uh, subscribe if you aren't already subscribed. Uh, you know, all that great YouTube video stuff. Uh, we will we'll see you next time. Bye.